Everyone has a story to tell, and every story is one worth telling. What's yours? Welcome to Friends with Ben. Welcome to Friends with Ben. I'm Ben, and these are my friends. Get ready for an episode like no other. My friend Mike joins the podcast to tell me how exactly he learned how to bone break and flex in his journey through the world of photography and videography. He also tells me the story of how he won the most important battle of his life. This is the story of Michael Stoddard. We're popping. We're chilling. Stoddy, what's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm just honored to have another TikTok celebrity on the podcast. <laughs> you hit the lottery recently yeah. on TikTok, didn't you? Yeah, I'm actually still surprised it's still going. Almost at a million. Holy crap, man. Yeah. The crazy thing is, is that video and what you did in that video dates back way, way further than that. I'm going to show you a photo here that is essentially the genesis of what you did in that video. And I just want you to elaborate on it for me. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That was, what was show was that for? Obviously it was Omni because of the mic. Um, <laughs> It was like some hip hop show that they had. They reached out to us because they saw so much music. So, you know, we wanted to bring you on, interview you guys, things like that. When we got there, like, all right, so who's going to be dancing? You guys are all dancing, right? And me being the freestyler, they all looked at me and I was like, guys, guys, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be the only one dancing. They're like, yeah, well, we need somebody to dance live. I'm just like... I guess that's going to be me. So I had to do a freestyle on this show. And after that, they were just like, okay, cool. Well, like, let's get some photos. Can you do your arm thing again? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So and that's why they gave me the mic and kind of wanted to show Dundas Square there. God, that was, I don't even know, 20... 12 maybe based on the video and the photo that we've just shown needless to say it's pretty obvious you're a dancer yes yes and uh, your origin story as a dancer is a very classic one you grew up had these vhs tapes of the legendary rest in peace michael jackson mm -hmm. and you were like wow it inspired you to essentially do the same thing right the real interesting story is how the heck were you all able to you know because you're not double jointed are you no it pains me to say that, but no, I am not double jointed. Kind of had to force my body to do this. Eventually, my body just kind of accepted it and was like, you know what? You're going to keep doing it. It's whatever now at this point. My dance crew, we hosted a dance competition in Oshawa. Anytime a dance crew wins, it was called Ouch, Ontario University Competition of Hip Hop. Whenever you win, you get to host it wherever you want. It goes by your rules, obviously. The rules of the competition don't change, but the layout of it, the talent performing, my manager and I at the time, we were trying to figure out what talent to bring for all the intermissions, things like that. So we figured out our host, we got our judges, and then so we need some talent. So there's this one guy that I just followed on YouTube at the time, uh, his name was Bones. And obviously from the name, you could kind of tell what he does with his arms. He's from New York. He did this style called bone breaking or flexing, which is like the double joints and stuff. But like he took it to another level. It felt like his arm would just keep spinning around. Like he would hold his arm up and it would just keep going and going. I was like, man, that 
I don't even know what to say. That is crazy. I watch his videos, try and copy his stuff to an extent to where I'm not hurting myself and I could only go so far. And I was talking to my manager, I'm like, oh man, like you should check this guy out. Like he's dope. He said, oh, why don't you message him, ask him to come to the competition and we'll, you know, we'll hire him to do a performance. I was like, good one. He's like, (laughs) no, seriously, reach out to him. I was like, do we have the budget for that? He's like, yeah, like we have the budget to bring more talent. So I'm like, okay, sure, why not? So I, I found his email or Facebook or something, reached out to him and like right away he messaged back. He's like, man, this is amazing. Like, let's set it up. Who I need to talk to? Like, let's get this going. I was like, wow, that took 15 minutes. All right, sure, <laughs> cool. I thought this was going to take like days. I was like, all right, yeah, sure. So I sent them my manager's uh, phone number. They talked and it was like the next day or something like that. He's like, all right, so he's booked in. We're going to book his flight tomorrow. I was like, wow, okay. He's like, yeah, and you're going to go pick him up at the airport and bring him to the competition. And you're basically going to be like his go-to guy. I was like, I'm not mad about that. Okay, cool, cool. That sounds good. That sounds good. You know, I'm looking at this guy like he's up here in the dance community. He's danced with like Madonna and all these people. Mm. Pretty sure he still does to this day. The man is just ridiculously talented. Yeah, so we brought him. He did his performance, destroyed it. Amazing. Everyone was just in complete shock because we literally brought a New York dance style to not Toronto, to Durham region, a place that barely even has hip hop at the time now is getting flexing and bone breaking from New York it was crazy after he performed we had the freestyle competition and then that's where I was entered into from my dance crew so I performed I'm so hyped because this man's sitting right at the front row of the stage so I'm like okay I can't screw this up the man I freaking look up to who inspires me for dance is literally sitting there watching me I was like I, I gotta kill this everybody goes one at a time from each school once I was called up went to the front of the stage performed did my thing made it to the next round so I ended up having to battle again I think two more people after everybody went it was by crowd reaction crowd reaction uh, yeah and so I won and I've never done this before like I've never been like a body confident guy but like Mm -hmm. I took off my shirt right away like I just started (laughs) smiling it everywhere and that's how hyped I was for a guy who like doesn't like showing off like that and everyone jumped up on stage like my crew they're all grabbed me you know congratulating me everything like that I go down off stage because we still had the rest of the competition to do so I sat beside him and then he's like bro that was amazing honestly you're one of the best freestyles I've seen I was like bro you come from New York it's like don't lie to me like that (laughs) he's like honestly bro he's like your energy this is this i'm like you want i'm not even gonna fight you on it like i'll accept the compliment i look up to you so the fact that you're saying that to me i'm taking it so (laughs) it was amazing and like that's when he was just like yo would you want to shoot a video with me tomorrow before i leave i was like um that's a stupid question yeah of course (laughs) i do obviously so yeah we found a location i think actually we shot in the school so and he was just like man like do you want to learn my dance style I was like, yeah, obviously, like, that's amazing. Of course I do. I didn't know there was like a secret to it. So yeah, <laughs> like, let's do it. So uh, he came up and he's like, all right, cool. So like, what you're going to do is like, just follow me. I was like, all right, cool. So he put his arms behind his back. And he's like, all right, so you're going to grab one finger and link it with the other finger on the other hand. I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, all right, so you're going to lift it up. And then he had both arms over here. So I'm like barely getting it up there. And then he's like, all right, so what you're going to do is, and then he kept going and going and going. And like, he's what you're going to do is just going to, pop out your shoulder like that and i still hadn't even got past like one of my shoulders and i was like i'm sorry what do you do he's like yeah you just 
pop it out. And I was like, yeah, but you're actually popping it. Like, well, yeah. I'm like, so pop it out. That's what you're telling me to do is, okay. Yeah, cool. That's great. Uh, I'll try it later. He's like, oh, you don't want to try it now with me? I'm like, no, no, I, I really, I don't. Cause yeah, no, I, I'm not stretched and warmed up yet. He's like, man, we just danced. I was like, yeah, no, like I'll, I'll do it later. Don't worry. I'll send you a video or something. Don't even worry <laughs> about it. And I just forgot about it. I was like, is this man crazy? Like, there's no way in hell. I'm just going to pop out my shoulder just like it's friggin' butter on a pan. Like, no, it's not going <laughs> to. That's like the worst comparison. Like, I don't even know. I just tried oh, to get something like something it, smooth. Hey, man, it, it works. It works. Yeah. Butter on pan. Just <laughs> slip it in, slip it out. Um, <laughs> that's friggin' weird. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I don't care. Perfect. Perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just, I, I never wanted to do that to my body until like one night during the week, it was like three in the morning and I went to my kitchen. I was like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to get some snacks. And my brother was down there and I was just looking at him like, you know what? Can you film me for a second? He's like, okay, why? I'm like, I think I'm going to do something stupid. It's like, okay. So, you know, he's awkwardly like, holding the camera front, like, what are you going to do? So just like you said, linked my fingers, put it back, slowly start bringing it up. And I got like stuck here and like both my arms are here. I'm just like, man, like I don't even, and then I started leaning over and I felt it going. And then it was just boom. Mom, dad, <laughs> ran upstairs, like ran upstairs screaming. I'm freaking out like, man, my, I've never had my shoulder pop in and out like that before. So I've never dislocated my shoulder before. So freaking out, random thing I need to go to the hospital or something. Ran upstairs to my parents' room holding my shoulder. And by the time like I got to their room, I'm just like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> you need to worry about it. Go back to bed, guys. I'm fine. Just <laughs> go, back. go back to sleep. They were pissed that night, but I was genuinely scared. I like destroyed my shoulder. So, you know, what better way to then keep doing it over and over again and make a career out of it. So that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> it's incredible how it started almost by complete accident where one of your biggest dance mentors was just like, yeah, all you gotta do is this. And then you're like, I can't do that. And then randomly yeah. one night you were just like, let me try this out. And then you, but it's great how it's carried you and your dance career to so many different opportunities, different performances, and wouldn't have been possible without basically your secret weapon, so to speak. It's like connects to the people before seeing the rest of me. Mm -hmm. You need that icebreaker, that kind of like, okay, I pull this out and it's like, oh, you like what I can do? And then you show the rest and you're like, damn, all right, this guy's dope. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's led you to so many awesome things. But moving on to the present, now you're not so much focused on dance, you're more focused on photography, videography, social media. You're what I call a multimedia connoisseur. You put on a lot of hats and you just excel in all of them. Your story of how it all started, picked up a camera, oh, this is cool, and then realized that you could go to school for it. That's carried you to where you are now doing all these dope things, whether it be with different brands, running social media platforms for entire basketball leagues. Hmm, yeah. Um, what's the most memorable experience you had taking photos, videos? Hmm. That's a good question. I can sum it up to 
two. So my top two would be, as you mentioned, you know, doing the social media for an entire basketball league. So taking photos and videos for uh, the CEBL, that was life changing. That was a lot of fun. It was exciting. It was their first season. And then my other experience would be shooting for the Raptors 905. Just being able to be on court and just capture those moments. All because of Josh, by the way. So shout out to Josh. That's shout out boss man Josh. Yeah. Because of Josh, I was able to shoot for the Raptors 905. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, both of them, amazing experience. Those were definitely my top twos. <laughs> nice. If there was one game or moment in basketball history that you wish you could have shot, what would that be? Oh, quite shot. Thousand that, percent. Yeah. Unless the Raptors won here, then I would have said that game. Right, yeah. But because that pushed us to the finals, that was like the moment. And that shot is still like that literally that shot, not his shot, the shot. The shot, yeah. yeah. Was up for an award or something like that. For it's the immortalized, guy who, yeah. If it wasn't that, it would have most likely have been something to do with Vince Carter. Something. Like okay, literally okay, anything so, to do with Vince Carter. I would have been okay. happy with. So I was going to say, when you first told me, like, yeah, it would be the shot. I wasn't surprised. I was like, it's either going to be that or what I thought you were actually going to say. I thought you were going to say Vince Carter's dunk contest. Just because oh, of the artistry of everything. So the on. only reason why I was saying that is because if it was like, hey, I had my gear that I had now and I was able yeah, to capture yeah. that moment, Okay, that's fair. That's then fair. I would have been like, cool. But like, I just know the quality wouldn't have been as good capturing <laughs> that. And that would have... <laughs> frustrated me for the rest of my life no but that's fair literally anything to do with vince carter i would have loved to have captured so Stoddy, i actually i have a challenge for you now and this is on okay. the record this is completely okay. on the record so i know like me you're an ambitious person you're a go-getter my challenge to you okay is to capture the moment that vince carter gets his jersey retired in toronto done i'll do it i don't know how but if I had to sneak in, well, not sneak in, but like I mean, if I have to, like, if I'm working. Remember, this is on record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, I'm going to see. I'm sorry I didn't mean sneak in. I mean, somehow I'm going to get my camera and obviously I'm going to work my beep off to get there mm -hmm. to actually shoot. But worst case scenario, <laughs> worst case, <laughs> because of how much I love Carter and somehow get one of my cameras into this arena. Mm -hmm. and capture that moment i firmly believe and i'm sure you agree too his jersey needs to be the first one up there no one else i love lowry i love DeRozan, but the thing is they still got plenty of years in the nba carter's done that jersey needs to go up immediately mm -hmm. so and honestly nobody should have been able to wear number 15 again and I, yes. as much as i appreciate everyone else who wore it mm -hmm. no carter has earned that number he's put his blood sweat and tears into that number, that number needs to be retired. That jersey needs to be retired, and that jersey needs to be brought up to the Raptors right beside that championship flag. So I have a question for you. You have siblings, correct? Yes. But none of them are twins. No. None of them are triplets. No. And none of them are quadruplets. No. And none of them are quintuplets. <laughs> no. No. I have okay. a brother and a sister. Okay. So I'm going to need you to explain to me this. Oh. <laughs> I was like, where is this guy going with this? <laughs> so that uh, actually was just 
something fun I wanted to do. Like you were mentioning before, like I do photography and film. Yeah, I was I was trying to get creative here and with this one, basically me trying to show off my personalities. Things that I do, I got one, me wearing my dress shirt. So, you know, it's kind of like my business side, my working side. <laughs> Me doing the arm move, so showing that I'm a dancer. Middle one, just more of just like my style, like how I normally dress, like my normal self. Guy on the left with Vince Carter right there, you know, I play basketball. Yeah, yeah. Love everything to do about basketball. And then the other one, I'm just laughing, just, you know, I hate that I'm going to say this because Jubes will probably never let this go on me, but showing that I'm a fun guy. Enjoying myself, laughing, an overall fun guy. No shout out to Jubes. <laughs> the thing i love most about that photo is like you said it's the defining pillars the defining moments of your personality to tie it back with the raptors that shot is a defining moment vince carter's dunk contest is a defining moment the we the north movement is a defining moment we the north movement it started back in 2014 that was a big time for the raptors but for you it was also a big significant moment why exactly is that 2014 uh about, I'd say, mid, mid to late March, I, uh, I found out I had cancer. So that kind of goes back to September 2013, actually, because that's technically when I had it. I didn't know I had it, but that's when uh, everything all kind of started for me. Yeah, it just, it never really hit me because I was... I was healthy, I mean, from what I knew. And I, w I was just coming back from a tour with my dance crew in uh, BC and Alaska. When we came back, it was on my dad's birthday, actually. We went to the Toronto Zoo. We we're at the zoo and get out the car and I just kind of feel my neck and I feel this lump. And I was like, yeah, it's so weird. Like, I've never had this before. And it came out of nowhere. Went up to my mom and my dad and I was like, hey, you know, like, there's nothing wrong, but like... You know, I got this big lump on my neck. Like, you think it's like a mosquito bite or some sort of bite or something? Like, what is this? Like, oh, I don't know. But, like, you know, does it hurt? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm, I feel the same that I have been feeling for my entire life. So, yeah, it was just like, all right, we'll, you know, go to the doctors on Monday. And, uh, you know, we'll figure out what it is. All right, cool. Sounds good. I'm good. So, you know, I'm. I'm healthy, I'm eating food, I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. From September to about February, go to doctors, walk in clinics, specialists, surgeons, they're all like, you know, you're good, it may just be an infection in your lymph node, give it some time, you know, give it like a month if it doesn't go down, you know, come back and we'll see if we can get some antibiotics for it, things like that. So I was like, all right, cool. Again, I'm feeling good. We're going to, you know, going to the clinics, things like that. And the bump is, you know, going, getting a bit bigger, getting a bit smaller, getting a bit bigger, smaller, but never actually went away and never hurt. Not that I wasn't taking it seriously, but like the doctors weren't concerned. I was like, why do I need to be concerned about it? Like, they're not saying I need to do anything with it. So I'm fine. Like, I'll keep going to the doctors trying to figure out what it is, but like, why do I need to worry? You know, you, you trust doctors, you know, like they're the ones that are supposed to keep you healthy. So I'll keep going to my appointments, try and figure out what this is and go from there. 
January-ish, I start to feel crap, you know, like I'm, I'm not eating as much, I'm getting pale, I'm losing weight, and I just wasn't feeling the greatest now. And this is when I uh, worked at the, uh, the Rogers Center. So I remember working this one event, and I would usually like, whenever I get like my longer break, I'd always order like my favorite meal that I was like, chicken strip poutine or something like that. Got the food, go to sit at the table. I think I took like two small bites and I felt full. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Like I haven't eaten literally all day and I've been working. So it's not like I haven't been able to work up an appetite. Like, no, like I've been moving around, been walking, been on my feet. Like I'm tired. I should need food to fuel back up. And it just, I wasn't hungry. So I threw it away and I was like, that's so weird. So I was like, all right, didn't think anything of it. Coming now into like February, I had a meeting with my dance crew and I go to shower, come out the shower, go ahead into my room to get all ready. And I just passed out. Like I literally hit the hardwood floor. I kind of just gained consciousness and I'm like looking around, like I'm obviously still on the floor and I'm, I'm seeing the ceiling. And then eventually I don't even know, like it's almost like my, my ears were closed because like when I opened my eyes, like I didn't hear anything at first. You know how you can tell like you're just starting to hear things again. Like words are just like halfway into it already. I heard like the end of Michael. So it was like, Michael. And I'm like, what the hell? Like somebody like just turned on my ears or something like that. It was so weird. It's like I'm listening to my mom calling from uh, the living room. I'm upstairs. So I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, what happened? And I look around and I realize like I'm still on the floor. I'm like, I think I passed out. She's like, what? She runs upstairs, uh, supports my head. Surprisingly, like no bruises, damage to my head at all. So mom comes, supports my head and is like, hey, like what happened? I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like maybe the the shower was just too hot. And like, you know, the steam got to me because I have asthma. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe that triggered something. I don't know. Like, that's weird. I've never passed out before in my entire life. She's like, but you're good. And I'm like, yep, I got to go though. I got to head to my meeting. So I drove to my meeting. Same thing with the food. We uh, went out to get some food. Um, I think it was actually Wendy's. Ordered like a couple of the junior burgers. I was like, you know what? Because I knew how I was feeling before. I was like, I'm not going to get a whole lot just in case I can't eat it all. But I'm like, I'm hungry. So these two small burgers I can definitely finish. I think I had like half of one of the burgers, the junior burgers. And I was like feeling sick again. I was like, this is this is not right. So told my parents. I'm like, yeah, that's very weird. So I went to a surgeon. And then the surgeon was just like, I want to do a biopsy of that lump on your neck because you look terrible so he did that biopsy um, but by the time i got or before the time i got my uh, results back from the biopsy from the uh, the lump i was at home it was like three in the morning went to my parents's room because i had like i woke up with like crazy headache that like was just piercing my skull and so i was like okay i need to get rid of this headache so i go to their room at like three in the morning clearly i just love going to their room at three in the morning to wake them up because they love that <laughs> two stories um <laughs> so go there and i was like hey dad i'm like can you go downstairs and get me some tylenol or aspirin something like that i'm like i have this crazy headache and he was confused because like i literally to get to their room i have to pass the stairs to go downstairs so he's like why didn't you just go get it that's okay so he looked at me and i guess he could tell that i just didn't look great he's like you know what like you stay here I'll go get it for you. But before he could even leave, like he saw my eyes roll the back of my head and I go to pass out. So I wake up and I'm laying at the end of my parents' bed 
and everyone's just looking over me like my brother my sister my mom my dad even my two dogs were just at the end of the bed like what the hell's going on and my dad's like yeah uh you passed out and i was like oh like did i hit the floor again he's like no 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 like i caught you i was like oh that's good thank you i appreciate that i'm assuming you guys called the ambulance They're like yep i'm like I'm probably not leaving this hospital until we figure out what's happening, right? And they're like, nope, you will not be. Ambulance comes, picks me up, takes me to the hospital. They find out my blood with red blood cells. You need, it needs to be around 150, but like the bare minimum that you should have, I think is 80 because like you still need it to help then reproduce more red blood cells. So I was at 51, extremely low. Nobody knew where the hell the blood was even going, like, you should not even be this low. So like, we're going to give you more blood, but you're not leaving this hospital until we find out where the blood's going and why this is happening to you. Waiting in the hospital, you know, waiting for results, waiting for results. Uh, I had another biopsy done of my stomach in Scarborough. So I, I was waiting on two biopsies. And then I remember this day like it was yesterday. I get burned into my memory. My mom was sitting at the end of the bed on my right hand side and my dad was on the right-hand side sitting by my, well, sitting up closer to me. He gets a call, and I guess he realized it was the doctor or the surgeon, whoever. He leaves the room. So maybe it's results, something like, you know, maybe it's some sort of information so I know what the heck's going on. It was like, I don't even know, like five, ten minutes. And my mom's still at the end of the bed. We're just, you know, we're talking. And he comes in, comes on to my now my left-hand side of the bed and comes and stays by me. And he puts his phone away and he was just like, hey, like that was so-and-so from said hospital. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So like, what's, what's happening? He starts like tearing up a bit and I'm, I'm confused. Cause like, obviously I don't know what's going on. He was like, okay. So he's like, they got the results back from your biopsy and they said, you have cancer in your stomach and lower intestines. And I was just in shock. Like I, when somebody tells you something like that, it's, you don't really know what to do with it, especially if it's not coming from a doctor, not saying that it's not real, but it's just like, usually when somebody tells you that there's like a follow-up being like, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is, this is the process. Like, yes, this is the problem, but here's the solution. This is what we're going to do to work to, you know, getting you better. So he just told me that and he's like, but you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you better. And I've literally only seen him cry like twice in my life. And both of them were funerals for his dad and my uncle's dad so his brother-in-law's dad so my mindset is you know whenever you see a movie with cancer things like that they're like oh you know said person only has months to live weeks to live years to live whatever so i'm just like okay well i guess this is you know this is coming to the end of my road like i I don't know what to do with this information. So within like probably less than an hour, I had my entire family in my hospital or 
my uh, my room in the hospital there. My grandma, granddad, aunts, uncles, uh, cousins, cousin's wife, um, they're all there. And that's kind of when my thoughts of, you know, like this is coming to an end hit me because I'm like, not saying that they would never come see me anyways, but it's just like the fact that all this was happening so quickly, my mind is obviously thinking worst case scenario, right? It's like, oh crap, like something is literally happening here. Like this, something is wrong. Basically for me it was like, I still don't know how to react to this. Like I, like what's going on? Like, am I just waiting here or like, is there a plan? A nurse or doctor, someone from Ajax comes in and is like, hey, you know, uh, we're so sorry to hear about, you know, what happened. We just got the information. But what we are trying to do is we have two plans for you in the works. So I think the first one was like, hey, you know, Princess Margaret is like an amazing hospital. We're trying to see if we can get you a room there. It's obviously super busy and super popular. So, you know, like we're going to try, but worst case scenario, there's option two, which was whatever. I, I literally blanked out after I heard option one because that's when it started hitting me. I was like, oh, crap, like this is real. Like this is not, this is not a game. This isn't a movie. This is, this is real life. This is happening to me. So I think my parents ended up just saying like, yeah, like if we can get into option one, Princess Margaret, that would be amazing. Like, yes, let's aim for option one. So she's like, okay, well, let me see what I can do. We'll go from there. So I was like, okay, cool. So we're all just sitting around talking. Well, not talking too much, but you know, we're, we're all there for each other. And I think within like maybe half an hour, hour, they got a call and they came into our room being like, Hey, we got you a room in Princess Margaret. An ambulance is coming here for six o'clock to pick you up. And within like three hours time, I'm in an ambulance being sent to Princess Margaret Hospital where I'm greeted by the, the nighttime doctor being like, hey, I'm so sorry that this is happening for you. I'm so-and-so doctor, nighttime one, but your doctors will be so-and-so and so-and-so. And you will be starting your chemo treatment tomorrow morning. And I was just like, wow, okay. Um, sure like i didn't like i there was like no not saying that i would have picked another option but like there was no options it was just like hey you're here this is the process this is the treatment this is when you're starting so it's just kind of like you had to trust them literally had to listen to them to a t being like okay this is what i gotta do so okay let's do it so I believe that night my parents slept over as well. I, I can't really remember that part. That, that's when it started getting kind of fuzzy. But they were there, obviously, to greet the, uh, the doctor. He introduced themselves, said, hey, you know, this is, um, this is the, uh, the process that we're doing. These are the type of uh, chemo treatments you'll be receiving. Like, this chemo is extremely harsh. Like, this is essentially killing you from the inside. Like you're, you are going to feel terrible. This is one of the harshest chemos that we have, but we need to stop this blood cancer from spreading because it's already in two places. Well, see then 
I only knew it was in two places. But um, when I started chemo the first week, within that week, that bump on my neck, completely gone. Disappeared. Wow. Like, I, it was... Like it was a great feeling at first because like I wasn't really feeling the effects of chemo just yet. So like just being like touching it every day and being like, holy crap, it's smaller. Holy crap, it's smaller. And then just completely gone one day, I was like, wow, this stuff is working. But obviously I knew the worst was not even anywhere close to being here yet. Mm-hmm. Got to the point where, you know, I started losing my hair because the chemo that I would get, you know, I had a, I had a full beard like this too. And I, I remember one day like, I can't remember. I woke up and, you know, whenever every guy wakes up who has a beard, like, you know, they, they want to like place it back in your face is rolling all over the place all night. So I did that and I just had a handful of hair and I was like, Oh damn, like I might as well just shave it off now because it's either I shave it off or it falls out. So I just bit the bullet and shaved my beard. I got my uh, mom and my aunt to shave my head because I was like, I it was hurting me just seeing my hair fall out and just like put my hand in my hair and just have a handful of it. So I did that. And then that's when, you know, chemo treatment started getting more aggressive and more aggressive. I did this one called like a, a lumbar puncture, which is you have to be in the fetal position. And you have to open up your spine by doing that. So like you're, you're like really crouching and then they shove this like long needle into your spine to shoot chemo all the way up to your head. That was like the worst one. It was like a permanent headache for like a week straight. It's just, you wake up headache. You're doing stuff during the day, headache, going to sleep, headache, wake up, rinse and repeat. So it was, uh, it was pretty rough, um, but, you know, the whole process was, I mean, it felt like it was like 15 years, like just living in the hospital from, which not funny enough, but funny enough, uh, I started chemo April 1st on April Fool's Day. So that was uh, kind of weird. Um, was still kind of, to this day, was wishing it was, it was a prank, um, but um, yeah, so it just started April 1st and then I basically was going straight until like early mid-July for chemo treatment, which actually today, funny enough, today is actually the day I had my last chemo treatment in 2014. So that is today. Um, wow. And then when I was told... I was finally cancer free was, I don't know if you can see this, mm-hmm. but July 28th, which is coming up 2014. So that was then the day that I was told. I definitely didn't feel like I was cancer free because I just had recently gotten more treatment. So felt like hell as usual, but yeah, it was like, okay, great. So when am I actually going to feel better? Like, yeah, it's cool. You're telling me I'm all clear, but all this, when am I going to get better? Because just looking at myself in the mirror, I still felt sick. Seeing no hair, I lost. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not a big guy, as you can see, but never was. But I'd lost probably like 25, 30 pounds. My face was like shrunken. Like, you could see my cheekbones. And obviously, I 
again, I didn't have a beard. So like being able to see like all my bones was so much easier. Hadn't seen sunlight in like five, six months. Wasn't even allowed to see sunlight because of what the chemo was doing to me. Like my body was extra sensitive to the sunlight, which I had to be careful of. It was just like, I need to look better as, as much as looks shouldn't be of importance. It was just, I knew once I started looking better, I would be mentally able to get better. Just from seeing myself being like, you know what? I physically look better now. I'm starting to now feel better because I see the changes. Now it's like working out, right? It's just like, you don't have that confidence working out every day because you're just, you look at yourself every day. I'm like, oh, cool. I just did my curls. Do I look bigger? Nope. Well, that sucks. But, you know, you keep pushing on with it. And then eventually you start seeing it. And that's what's then going to push you to work out hard. Like, holy crap, like working out actually does help. It does get you fit. Like who would have thought of it? It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's what it does. So obviously the same thing with like the chemo. It's like, yeah, it's beating the crap out of you, but it's there to make you heal and to get better. So you can actually live a long, healthy life still. So once I started looking better, I was then like, okay, cool. I now know I can start feeling better. It's almost like my body was waiting for the outside to catch up. So I was like, once the outside caught up, I was like, okay, we can continue now. Like, let's get better. So it was it was a weird process because like, mentally I just, I wasn't in a good headspace well, for obvious reasons. Not thinking I was going to make it. Days where I just couldn't push anymore. Like days I just wanted everything to just stop. And I was like, is this even worth it? Because the amount of pain I was going through, it just... It was unbearable, but, um, you know, I had my family, my friends, everyone around me pushing me some a bit too much, but they know I still had love for them and they knew I knew why they were doing it. So to this day, I still thank them for pushing me that extra mile when I couldn't or didn't want to, but it wasn't easy even finishing. Like my mind was still like, oh, is, is the cancer going to come back? Like, am I, am I always going to feel this crappy for the rest of my life now? But, you know, but being healthy. So, you know, I wanted to do like therapy and things like that. But at the time they didn't have single therapy, like sorry, one-on-one therapy. They just had group ones. And I was like, as much as I would love to help others out, not saying that I would be the guy to help them out, but just like taking in their stories. My mind is not there for that. Like I cannot, I can barely even handle my own story right now. So there's no way I'm going to handle a group of people talking about their experience after I literally just went through. So I didn't end up doing that. And then by the time the one-on-ones were offered, I was in like a way better state of mind where I'm just like, you know what? Like, I see myself getting better. My hair is actually growing in now. You know, it's not like coming in and then falling out again. It's like, no, like no more chemo treatment. So like, this is here to stay. And that's actually when I started or when I decided I would grow my hair long enough to donate it after for cancer patients. Because going back to the hair is like, yes, hair is not an important thing. Obviously, you want to worry about your health. But for me, my hair was my confidence. My hair was 
obviously a part of me, but not just physically, but like it was a part of who I was. Like I dressed differently in high school and college. Like I had a different style. So when I got my hair, that was my first time ever having my hair that long. So it was just like, it was like my new me. It was like a new version. So when I lost it, I didn't feel like me. I couldn't even imagine how women felt when they lost their hair. Um, obviously, I didn't get my hair super long enough where, you know, it was like, you know, halfway down my back. But, you know, I grew it to my shoulder length and I just passed my shoulders. I think it was like 15 inches or something like that. I think the required one was like 11 or 12 or like the bare minimum. So I had that done. So I, well, you saw my hairstyle, like I had the man bun going. That was the sole reason why I had it. It wasn't, it was like, ah, oh, you know, let's try this out. I was like, no, like I need a hairstyle to just keep my hair together for the time being. So once, you know, the length was right and the time was right, I was able to give it up. I would be able to. So um, the studio I work at, it's called Lux Beauty Studio. One of my closest friends there, uh, he owns it with his wife, Ashley. So my friend Ron, he was like, you know what? I really want to capture this moment. Like, because I told him like, hey, like, the only reason why my hair is like this because like I want to donate it. And so there's their photo video studio. It's a two part. So his wife runs the hair and makeup side of it. So it's a salon as well on top of a photo video studio. So it's a two in one. She's a professional hairstylist, makeup artist, things like that. So uh, when he asked me if I wanted to capture this, I was like, to be honest, like I was just going to go to my barber and just be like, hey, like I need it this length. Can you cut it there for me? And then just style it once you've cut enough out. But he's like, no, no, like, trust me. He's like, I think you'll really appreciate this. So I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Like, I'm. it's not going to hurt me at all. Getting some pictures taken, cool, that's fine. So I went up to the studio and Ashley went through like a whole process with me, which was really nice. Uh, she brought me to the back with like in the washing station. She washed my hair. She did like this massage type thing that she does with her clients. It just felt amazing. I was like, oh, this is great. So it, it just already really started out really nice. So she washed my hair, dried it off. She put it like in like a ponytail, like straight to the top of my head, right where I needed to cut. So that way when she starts to cut, it was just right at the elastic or whatever she had to hold the hair. So I'm like, all right, so let's get some photos done. So they just took some with me with the, the man bun up, me with my hair down. I, I looked like Jesus, I'm not gonna lie. That's what everyone's saying. like. Just like long, like curly hair. They're just like, wow, that's that's his hair right there. I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> so going through that and they're like, all right, cool. So let's tie the hair back up. And then she brings the scissors and she's like, all right, cool. So I'll stand here, pretend like I'm doing it. And then he's like, okay, well, how about this? How about you hold the scissors and then you put it on the hair and pretend like you're cutting it. I was like, sure, why not? So I'm holding my hair up, pretend like I'm cutting it. And then Ashley, she was like, well, why don't you cut it a bit? Like just this tiny bit, just start it off and then I'll do the rest. I was like, okay, cool. Sure. That sounds good to me. So cut it a bit. And then until this day, I still really appreciate them doing this. So they got me to cut it a bit. He's like, okay, got it. He's like, you know what? Do it just a bit more. So they hit my head. And I'm like, oh, I feel like they're making me do this by myself. Not that like I didn't want to, but it's just like, it was a big moment. And I didn't know if I could do it, 
so I was just like, oh, if I just like stop halfway, I'm going to do something stupid or I'm going to screw it up or, you know, I cut in the wrong spot. I kept cutting, kind of like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then almost when I was like at the end, like, you're almost there. Like, this is you. This is for you. And then, yeah, they ended up catching like my exact moments of after I cut it off. And I was like looking at it and I was like, wow, like, this is hopefully going to help somebody out in the future, hopefully. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was an amazing moment. Um, that was like my first haircut, put that hair towards hopefully something good. And, you know, hopefully it would help somebody smile a bit more when they're going through this process that I had to go through. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my 2014 to 2017 because I was on remission for like two and a bit years. So yeah, that was, that was my little time gap. First off, thank you for telling me that story. But also, thank you for telling me again. That whole time, it felt exactly like I was hearing it again for the first time. What I love about that story is that there's going to be someone listening to this podcast who, whether it's them, whether it's someone in their family, that they're going through the exact same thing. And you're proof that you came out of it on top. You won. You beat the battle. And... For some, it's so easy to kind of lose hope, but you maintain that hope. You had that strength. You kept pushing forward. And that's something that people in that scenario, I feel, definitely need. They need that extra push. They need to know that you can beat this. You can overcome this. You're stronger than this. And, yeah, thanks, man. No worries. It's... It was it was just hard for me because my uncle, who is actually it's my middle name, who I'm named after, uh, and also this tattoo here, David. Also, David Venn, that's not for you, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that how I was thinking it? I, I wanted yeah. to say something. <laughs> I, I just felt like, you know, if he watched this, he would be like, oh, it's for me. So I just had to, just had to let, let him know that, you know, I still love him, but not like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. it was my uncle. I uh, I never got to meet him. He was diagnosed with leukemia right around the same time I was diagnosed with my blood cancer, um, Burkitt's lymphoma. So with him, because of it being, you know, back in the day where they didn't have as much you know, the right medicine, the right procedures, things like that for that type of cancer, it, it was too late for him. So by the time, because they diagnosed him wrong, which kind of was like with me as well, which is kind of scary because they kept saying to me, you know, it's nothing serious. It was an infection, things like that. They were saying the same with him. Like, you know, I don't know what exactly they were telling him, but like they didn't think it was cancer until it was then too late when they figured it out. So... Yeah, it was just, he, from what I was told, um, he had true love in his life. 
because he was supposed to get married to his fiance. Um, and then they found out what was going on and he went up to her and was like, Hey, listen, like, this is what's happening. Obviously, you know, you know, this is how much time roughly that's left. So like, I want to marry you, but I can obviously you understand if you wouldn't want to go through with it for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why wouldn't I want to marry you? So they literally still got married, enjoyed the rest of their lives together. Well, sorry, the rest of his life together until the very end. So that made me super happy because, you know, he enjoyed the last bit until, you know, the very end. So I'm sure he was in pain. Um, I don't know to what extent um, with the leukemia, but um, yeah, it was, um, it was super nice to hear that, you know, she did that. Um, One thing I just wish was I got to meet him. That was, that was the uh, really sad part because every single time I'd hear stories about him, it was always something amazing, you know, how great he was, um, how loving and caring. Um, he was in arts. So I was just like, wow, like I feel like I would have related to him so much. Um, but um, yeah, no, it was... Uh, well, and that again, that's the whole reason why I got my uh, tattoo as well, too, because um, the story behind it I loved. It was uh, it was obviously, yes, sad, but I mean, I think how it ended was 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 right and was how he wanted if he could have chosen how it would have ended. So. Yeah, that was uh that was a little backstory of that. <laughs> I'm sure you know this, but based off of that, there's no doubt that he's living vicariously through you. <laughs> In everything you do. Um shit, sorry, I'm gonna get fucking choked. Hold up. It's okay. <laughs> Told myself, I was like, I'm not, Softy's not coming out this time. But I was like, damn, Stotty, you got me in my feels again. That's what I do. That's what I do. But yeah, you know, that day will come. You'll be able to meet him up there one day. And, oh, no. And you guys will have so much to share and bond over. And obviously, he's looking down on you right now and he sees himself in you. So, yeah, no, and, uh, you know, my, uh, the one thing is my dad always spoke highly of him mm-hmm. and with my dad, like I know my dad supports me no matter what, mm-hmm. but like, obviously there's certain things, you know, your parents aren't like fully on board with, but they still will be just because, you know, they love you. They care about you. They know that you're happy. The fact that, you know, my dad would speak so highly of him and, you know, he did what he did. I'm just like, okay, I think I, I think I see what's going on, like why, 
I, I could be completely wrong. Like I've never actually yeah. talked to my dad about this. Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe the reason why he does accept me, you know, being in the arts, things like that. Like he didn't like David didn't do like filming photography that I know mm -hmm. of at least. Mm -hmm. But like he did acting, like he was in plays, things like that. So I'm like the fact that he was he was doing things like that, maybe it's my dad kind of accepting and being like, you know what, like maybe he's got a little David in him. Yeah. Right? And, he's, yeah. and it's and it's showing a bit. So you know, these are little things that I uh, I think about here and there. Definitely when I was in the hospital, I was uh, thinking about it. But, um, yeah, even to this day, I'm just like, I wonder what he would have been doing now, like what his job would have been, whether it was, it was acting or, you know, he jumped and started being a plumber, like where his career would have taken him. Like, regardless, I'm just, you know, would have been nice to uh would have been nice to see but like you said though i'll be uh i'll be meeting him later mm -hmm. and uh we'll be uh catching up over our stories exactly it'll, man it'll be nice like you said it'd be cool to see what he'd be doing now i guarantee it would probably be something similar to what you're doing now i feel like whatever he'd be into i feel like no matter what it would be specifically it'll probably be Probably be something on the same level as this. <laughs> no, a smooth transition, eh? <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Stardy, this is, I've been bombarding you with photos from your social media, pretty much this whole podcast. And just so you know, this is the final one. And I want you to take it away with this one. As mentioned before, that's actually uh, Ron, one of my closest friends there. We actually uh, met through a photography company that we both worked for. I just knew he was a great guy, super friendly, super helpful. He ended up leaving the company and I did one more year and it just wasn't the same. I was like, ah, this is, this is weird without him. Like, I just then realized like, ah, I, I just really enjoyed myself because, you know, I had him there. So I did one more year and then I ended up leaving as well. But we stayed in contact and, you know, we would, uh, you know, meet up here and there, food, drinks, things like that, catch up. He'd ask me because he had his own wedding photography business. They did it like a whole bunch of weddings, like amazing work. And then they asked me to start helping out with some. And I was like, really? It's like, okay, sure. Like, if you guys trust me, why not? So, you know, I'd help them out with that, help them out. And, you know, again, hanging out more. It's just always great times with them. He ended up asking me one day, he's like, hey, like, there's nobody I really trust more than you to shoot our wedding. I was like, what? Wow. He's like, yeah, I would love for you to shoot our wedding. And I was like, I see the work that you guys produce. I am so nervous right now. Like, I don't think I can do what you guys do. Like, it's like, you guys are taking epic content. And he's like, nope. He's like, I believe in you. Like, I know you can do this. Like, I'll let you use all my equipment, whatever you want. It's like, you know, just let me know and I'll bring that equipment. You can use that. And again, just do your thing. Like, you know what to do. I trust you. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Shot his wedding. Beautiful location, beautiful ceremony. Yeah, so after that, you know, we, again, 
We stayed in touch. We're obviously friends at this time by now. He messaged me one day and was like, hey, I have this idea and I want to talk to you about it. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that sounds good to me. So we met up at this restaurant and we got some food. We were catching up. He's like, all right, so Ashley and I have this idea and we are so excited about him. I want to tell you about it. I was like, cool. No, that's amazing. What is it? What they have now to this day, their studio slash salon is what he pitched to me however many years ago, three years ago. And like, I remember the day when he was like describing to me what they would do, what they want to do, what it would look like. They literally created their dreams of this photo video slash salon. And it was crazy because he was like, whenever we need a photographer, videographer, things like that, I want to reach out to you. So, you know, since then, since the studio was built, whenever they needed help, I was always there to help. And then I started actually working with them, doing more work, doing a bunch of weddings, in-studio stuff. And then, you know, that's just how it's been since. Until now that photo, we have started up our own online classes for everything media related. And we're starting with iPhone photography, getting those people for the ones who can't afford a camera, but you know, still love photography and want to learn more. The iPhone's cameras are ridiculous now. Like mm-hmm. the quality is crazy. What you can get, obviously your DSLRs will still destroy iPhones, of yeah. course. But if all you have is an iPhone now, you're still good. Like you can still take great quality photos like that can be your traveling camera for like vacation if you really wanted and like we're going to start off there work our way up to other levels things like that and then we have other different types of classes that we're going to be adding in we've been working on these classes for about a month now it's called captured edu for captured education the social media for it a website all that stuff we're just really trying to help for those who really want to learn even if it's just like as a hobby like this is a great way to just learn something new it's exciting but a little bit nerve-wracking because like you never know how things are going to go when you release them out obviously you should know yep (laughs) Um, it's a gamble right you just hope that what you're doing that you love to do is reciprocated by others and i know we've more than a thousand percent have shown that in the video like you know the time and dedication we put into this like i hope people see it that way because yeah we wanted to make sure that nothing was missed we've done it slow we've done it right and we've done it with detail the fact that you're taking time with it and just making sure it's like perfect in every form really looking forward to seeing it unfold we're gonna wrap this up with some rapid fire let me just stretch (laughs) all right all right let's do it okay what is your next tattoo i will be finishing my sleeve so it stops here as you can see so i want it to go all the way up to my shoulder probably continuing the same idea so this entire sleeve was basically resembling a dream i had no idea where what i loved to do would take me and I just knew what I wanted to do, you know, getting on TV, doing big performances, things like that, like showing my talent. I never thought that would ever happen. 
So, you know, once I got much music, performing at the ACC, performing with the Raptors, all that stuff, like, I was like, wow, like, that stuff came true. So all of this, like, dream catcher with a compass, my first hip-hop group that I started with my friends, the moon, the sun, the clouds, just all resembling one dream that's never thought would become a reality. So that will continue nice. up the arm eventually when I have the funds. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. You have a time machine. You have the option to go back to any moment in history. You ha- and you have the choice between these two. Vince Carter's dunk contest. Uh, or the first time Michael Jackson did the moonwalk. Oh, this is supposed to be rapid. Uh, <laughs> what if the dunk contest was held by Michael Jackson's concert? And I went to both. You can't, you can't. One was in 2000, <laughs> the other was in 1983 or 84. Yeah, I know. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> um, dang. Uh, since Carter's still around, I'll take, I'll take MJ. I'll take ah, MJ because okay. that, okay. that, was, that was a huge moment in history. So I uh, have to go with MJ. I have to go with MJ. <laughs> All right, final question. Your Uncle David walks through that door today. You have 30 seconds, just 30 seconds with him. What do you tell him? Jeez, 30 seconds. I guess I would tell him, you know, that I'm somewhat in the same field as him. I wish I was able to meet him. I was told his story and of, you know, what happened to him before he passed away and that inspired me and you know that regardless of me not being able to meet him i have the most amount of love and respect for him and i can't wait to continue this conversation later and obviously show him the tattoo yeah letting him know my middle name is named after him then show him the tattoo so just to never, confirm it's not David Venn, yeah. Exactly, because, yeah, you know, <laughs> David will most likely be here when that happens. He'll just be in, like, my backyard for some reason sleeping. He'll just pop out like, like, oh, by the way, that's me, not you. <laughs> David, uh, come home. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. That was exhilarating. We had a really good conversation. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And that was the story of Michael Stoddard. I'm speechless. I have nothing to say other than that Mike is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Also, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell I can contort my arms like him. Mike, I don't know when the next time I see you will be, but I know for damn sure that I'll be seeing you with your camera at the ACC when our boy Vince gets his jersey up in the rafters. If you like the episode, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, feel free to rate and review. Thank you for tuning into Friends with Ben, and we'll see you on the next one.